Another week, uh, in a world of wars and rumors of wars, uh, had passed. Now, those wars and rumors of wars were bound to the political and militaristic objectives of national leaders. Power surges across foreign fields were monitored, and within the family of a nation's leader, there was a concern about a rebellious son. And that's the way it was when King David ruled for God in Israel more than 3,000 years ago. It sounds so familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like that is off of the page of the morning paper because the heart and the mind of man has not changed. They are as selfish as they ever were and want God's blessings with no response or responsibility uh, toward him. I recently read a story, a true story, about uh, a mother and her young son. It had been a long day with that boy. And uh, she finally put him to bed. But he had on ceasing requests. She'd just get out of his room and into the living room and sit down, and she'd hear, Mommy, Mommy, my teddy bear fell out of my bed. Well, his teddy bear didn't fall out of his bed. He threw it out. Mommy, Mommy, I'm scared. Come here and and be with me. And mom would go in and reassure her son and and stay with him. And on and on it went until the mother was just exasperated. This kid had to settle down because she just needed some peace and quiet. So just as she worked that thought through her mind, mommy, mommy, and it was another request. And she went into his room. And it was nothing as all the previous requests were. He just wanted to keep calling to his mother and wanted to stay awake. And she said to him, I do not want to hear you call for mommy another time tonight. Now lie down and go to sleep. And she left his room. She's sitting in her chair in the living room and it's only a few minutes later till she hears, Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Smith, may I have a drink of water? Sharp little guy. (laughs) Well, you see, for him, rules didn't matter. What matters is what he wanted. But the sad thing is that that kind of selfishness continues right up into adulthood and into the history of the world. Now, David was God's man. And while he was in that part of eternity that is on earth, the same part that you and I are in this morning, he lived amidst chaos And the chaos was in his personal life and it was in his professional life. 
we have been studying Psalm 27 in our sermon series uh, on uh, a crisis of confidence. And we know that Psalm 27 is David's description of his quest, his highest purpose, his desire to be sure that he knew God. Psalm 27 screams that message of David's heart out to its readers. David wanted to be sure that he knew God. No matter who attempted to pull or pry or probe to divert his attention, setting God's, seeking God's presence mattered most to David. You recall verse four that we focused in on last week. Hear that verse again. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, you remember how we slightly changed that verse and read it so that it had high impact and sounded like this to us. I seek that I may dwell. This is my purpose. This is my quest. I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And then note this verse, which accompanied Psalm 26, the the Psalms preceding and following our 27th all have David's attention fixed on God and the desire to worship him. Psalm 26, verse eight says, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I seek that I may dwell I pursue, I desire, I want you. I do the things that focus my mind, my heart, my attention, the priorities of my life. I set those so that I may be in your presence, O God. David had experience with God. That's what he wrote about in verse six, where he said, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. You've given me reason to sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. There was a man who had full assurance of faith. And that assurance of faith came from his eagerness, his desire, and his diligence to seek God, to see God, and to know God. Now with that background and that review in place, let's read the morning scripture, which is Psalm 27, verses seven to 10. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. 
when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Now that four verse segment of Psalm 27 is David asking God, in essence, as we would say, do it again, Lord, do it again. When our kids were little and, and I would be, be playing with them and they were enjoying what we were doing immensely, I'd often hear, do it again, Daddy, do it again, Daddy. That's the sense that David is writing with in that four-verse segment. He's saying as he looks to heaven, do it again, God, do it again. Continue to make yourself known, your ways plain, and hold me centered in your presence. Hold me centered in your presence. True faith, strong faith, is not an isolated part of life. It is the result of being in the Lord's presence. Being in the Lord's presence, seeking to know God, wanting to be aware of him in the present tense, not always looking back and saying, oh yeah, you were there, but realizing the presence of God now in this moment and confident that he will be in our future is the same thing David desired. That gave David confidence in God's competence to stay above, to keep him above the chaos that was whirling around him. There were times he thought battles seemed lost and enemies were about to triumph. And then they stumbled and fell. That's what you read in the second verse of the psalm. And so all around David, there were forces at work. There were hostilities bearing in upon him to pull him away from his deep commitment to God and cause him to turn inward and rely on himself rather than draw strength from his heavenly father. Now, as we read an ancient text like this, in the context of our modern setting, I wonder, what are the hostile forces in your life? What are the things that are raging for you and against you? Do your battles seem lost? David would say to us, stay close to God. Don't move away. At the time when you need him most, don't move away. Be like the child who runs to her parents' arms when she's frightened, when she's scared, because she knows that there she will find a comfort and a calm and a blessed assurance. It's such a difficult time in which we live. And we look for words of 
comfort and calm <clears throat> and assurance. Certainly we find them in the scriptures and in marvelous texts like Psalm 27. But there are other ways that this confidence has been expressed. And, and just one I want to lift up to you from a hymn by Henry Light. The hymn was set to music and you know the hymn. Unfortunately, it's not in our hymnal, but you know it from years past. The hymn is entitled, Jesus, I My Cross Have Taken. And the third stanza of that great hymn is so relevant for us today. <clears throat> Man may trouble and distress me, Will but drive me to thy breast. Life with trials hard may press me. Heaven will, <clears throat> heaven will bring me sweeter rest. Oh, tis not in grief to harm me while thy love is left to me. Oh, twere not in joy to charm me were that joy on mixed with thee. Light <clears throat> did so well in suggesting that all that relationship with God has meant to us, every walk and talk that has blessed us, every prayer that pressed me and you and makes us want more of God's assurance is there in his blessed presence and power. It feels so good to come into the sanctuary on Sunday morning. It feels so good to have this sacred time, to be just our time, because here we feel a safety and a security Beyond our sanctuary is confusion and disorder, behavior and events seemingly not controlled by anything. The politics of government and the government of politics has borne a nation of cynics. We want wise, skilled people whose principles produce respected statesmen, worthy to sit in seats of government, women and men who have not given themselves to falsehood, whose virtues and values are inextricable from integrity. We want that. But we continue to ask the question, where are they? Where can they be found? One nation under God and trusting in him is no longer considered appropriate. Honor and respect for American heritage is being ruined before our eyes and we are accepting it without resistance. Ethnic traditions and cultural legacies, once acknowledged with 
favor and appreciation have been spilled from a melting pot nation and have formed divisive pools. The new normal seems to be disorder. And accepting the abnormal is a standard that puts you and me in the midst of chaos. Listen, God has brought order out of chaos many times before this morning. God has brought order out of chaos many times before this morning. And I stand with David, remembering those times that he has for us as a nation and for me as an individual. And I want to say with David, do it again, Lord. Do it again. But I know that even though he is omnipotent, just as he walked the garden searching for Adam, 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 where are you? Because he was to be God's representative in that special place. So he walks the earth and he speaks each of our names and he wants to know where we are and what we are doing and what we're invested in as we call out to him, do it again, Lord. Do it again. God formed the world out of chaos. You read it in Genesis. There was nothing but darkness and disorder, and he brought light into being. He shaped and formed and molded the earth set the stars in their place, the moon, the sun. And after all was set in place, then the pinnacle of his creation, the human being, was placed there to take care of what God had made and what he had given to man. And he said, all this is yours. Take care of it for me. And now we find ourselves in the midst of chaotic life. It is in this world, it is in this world with its challenges and difficulties that God wants us to be his through Jesus. I know that you will recall this scripture, but I want you to see it again. I want to remind you of John seventeen fifteen. Take a look at that. John 17, 15 says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. I do not pray that they be taken out of the world, but that they be protected from the evil one. Those are the words of Jesus. That was the prayer that he prayed just hours before his crucifixion. He promised to not leave us or forsake us. We're not on our own. We go back to the text of the morning. What was it 
David ask for, do not leave me or forsake me. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. These early days when little children are starting to our preschool and away from their parents for the first time, we hear their cries. Believe me, we hear their cries. On the, on the first day, which was a summer fun day, just to help the little children get acquainted with our preschool program, I happened to be going down the, the hallway, headed back to my office, when I saw one of the little guys break away from the room and bolt for the door. He was headed out of here. Well, I was there and I retrieved him and I called the teacher and we put him back in class. He felt alone. He wasn't where he wanted to be. His mom and his dad wanted him here, but he didn't want to be here. He felt forsaken. And so he wanted to get to a place that, that he wanted to be. He was headed for home. David says, do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. I seek that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. How are you doing? I mean, how are you doing? Are you, are you living this way? Are you really seeking to know God? The blessed assurance of his presence, his power, his peace in your lives. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning of the Bible to its end, it is inscribed with God's promise to never leave you. But here's the connector. We must pay attention to him. We must pay attention. And if we pay attention, then we realize his presence. It isn't that David didn't believe that God would be with him. He believed it so much that he kept saying it. When you really love someone, you keep telling them you love them, don't you? And you never get tired of hearing that. That's what these verses are about. It isn't that David was wavering in his faith. He was saying, we've been together. And Lord, I just know that you won't leave me. I know that as I continue to seek to dwell in your presence, you will fill me. You will give me what you've promised. And so I come back to us again. Where are we? I hope that you will immerse your fears in faith. Immerse your fears in faith. I want you to remember what God has done for you. I want you to recall your personal holy history. 
Your walk with God since you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and remember all that he has done. It would be great if you would write those things down. Tuck them away in your Bible. Because I'll tell you what, if I'm the pastor when you die, I'm going to ask your survivors to give me your Bible. I do that all the time. May I borrow their Bible? I want to see what's in there because I draw heavily upon that to preach the gospel at funeral services. It would be great for you to go back and remember when you accepted Jesus or how it was and, and all the way that the Savior has led you and, and to put that story down, not, not just to help me write your funeral sermon, but so that your heritage in faith is recorded for your dear ones, for your family, so that they know how significant it was for you to have sought the presence of God and lived there and what that has meant for you, how he has kept his promises to you. Pay attention. Pay attention to the truth of your experience with God. Draw upon that constantly. Be aware and knowledgeable about the chaos you are in. But you deny that chaos any power to dominate you because you belong to the living God. You belong as his woman, as his man. You are his child redeemed in his Savior Son. You can stand in the midst of chaos. Though a thousand may fall at your side, yet you will be confident in the midst of crisis. Sunday mornings are wonderful. For 47 years, I've preached the gospel. And last night I had as much excitement in my mind and heart, as much high anticipation of being here with you as I had the first Sunday I ever preached. I want you to have a sense of anticipation. I want you to, to enjoy being in worship. I want the thrill and the emotion of worship to bless you and sustain you. I want the fellowship of believers, the, the sweet reunion of coming together here with members of this congregation that you've, you've become uh, friends with and love so much to be part of that anticipation. But I do not want any of that to be all that there is for any of you about your faith. Because if that's all you can say about who you are as a Christian, the weekdays are going to be really rough. They're going to be empty of power because you are trying to draw upon just a, a couple fleeting moments or hours on a Sunday morning to sustain you, and it can't happen. We celebrate, we give thanks for our life in this wonderful church but to stand in the midst of chaos and be triumphant 
is to constantly seek God. To know him better next Sunday morning than you knew him this morning. To love him more fully than you've ever loved him before. God wants you to have comfort and assurance. He wants that for you. And he's promised that to people who truly seek him. He said, they will find me and they will know me and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I know he won't leave me. I know he won't. But still, I say with David, because I love him so much, and I know the great strength and the value for me and you that, that comes from telling him again and again that we love him and that we want him close by, that we don't want him to leave, leave us, that I, we say with this psalmist of old, do not leave me or forsake me. O God of my salvation, I need you. I just need you so much to be able to stand in these difficult times. If you say that, if you pray that, and you live that like you mean it, you will enjoy the powerful presence of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father, I thank you for your eternal word made certain and sure every day for those who cry out, who call out for your touch to stand secure with you. Your foundation is firm and it is certain and that is in your word, a word which will never fail. It will never be destroyed by any chaos or by any power of man. Lord, help us to stand certain, sure, and always secure because you are God and we are confident that we are yours. We thank you for your Savior Son, Jesus the Christ, by whom we are empowered to rise above crisis and know victory and triumph. In the blessed name of your Savior Son, we pray. Amen and amen.